Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lever Ball Show. And on this episode, I am joined by Billy Adams. And Billy has worked in sports in a variety of different roles, most recently working as the game day producer in the Detroit Tigers minor league system. And, um, you know, first off, Billy, I know you're somewhat recent college graduate, uh, class of 2022. You know, how have you been able to kind of you know, develop your career and kind of take off, you know, so, so soon out of college and already have the resume you have. Yeah, man. I I think a lot of that came down to some good connections I made, you know, while being in college. Uh, You said I have various roles I've done. My very first, I guess, bigger role was doing PA announcing at my college alma mater, Southeastern University in Lakeland. And the SID there, the sports information director, Donnie Smith, after I graduated, approached me with the idea while I was doing my graduate degree that I'm about to complete. Um, He was like, if you're looking for some work and looking to break into the field, you know, I have some games you could do for play-by-play and color to really get your opportunity on the mic. Um, And once that started, he was then able to allow me to not only get the experience I had, but then introduced me to the connection of Zach Burek, the GM for the Lakeland Flying Tigers, who I had the opportunity of working for this past year. Nice, nice. And so, um, you know, did you did you always see yourself doing something in professional baseball when you're getting out of school or were you kind of open to all possibilities? I'm definitely open to all possibilities. Um, I know you've learned this doing a lot of games on ESPN Plus and whatnot that, you know, once you do one sport, you kind of want to do the others to not only broaden your range, but it's good about getting perspective, not only with different athletes, but it's because every game flows differently and every sport flows differently. And it's fun to have variety. And for me, I like variety. I think my first big break right now with the Tigers happens to be in baseball, but you know, I've been applying to NFL teams, NBA teams, and, you know, really looking to do different sports to get a different feel. And then also to meet a lot of cool people who have already worked in that industry and to try and learn as much as I can. Absolutely. And remind me, where where did you go uh, for college again? So it's called Southeastern University. It is an NAIA school that is located in Lakeland, Florida. And for a lot of people who know Florida, it's located in between Tampa and Orlando, which are the bigger cities, you know, in Florida. Well, and so and, you know, do they have a big broad, uh, you know, broadcasting program there or were you an athlete there? Or how did you first kind of start to go in this direction? So I I was an athlete there. I I was a cross-country track athlete for four years. Uh, It's one of the main reasons I went there when I was coming out of high school. Uh, They were big on my recruiting process, and they fortunately, you know, gave me a big opportunity with scholarship and whatnot to run. And I knew before then I wanted to get into sports. I just didn't know what that was in particular, if I wanted to be a behind-the-scenes stats guy, because I've always been like one of those statistical nerds that you know, you could have a long conversation with on expansion stats that nobody pays attention to. Um, But when I got there, I realized, you know, when my voice isn't gone like it is now, I have a a good natural speaking voice that, you know, people don't mind listening to. Um, So I was able to develop that in our broadcast department. It's not particularly big, but it almost works as a small news media outlet that would be popular 10 years ago where you have a couple people who are overseeing it and they're really great about teaching you the ins and outs of the industry so that you have that knowledge and so that you're really being focused on to develop whatever craft it is that you want to do in the news and sports industry. So 
while not being a big program, I got a lot of big lessons out of it. And that was thanks to great leadership. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, what's your, I mean, you have, you play also play high school baseball or what was it about, you know, baseball that specifically made you want to, you know, get involved with an MLB organization? So I did play baseball when I was younger. I played T-ball for a couple of years and I played in middle school. It wasn't something I wanted to pursue for a long time, but one of my fondest memories as a kid uh, when my dad was around was he would take me to baseball games and then he would also take me to my T-ball games and stuff. And he, he really enjoyed that specific part of my life was just watch me play baseball. Cause you know, he, he always envisioned me becoming a shortstop like Derek Jeter. He always wanted me to be a little Derek Jeter, but he knew if that's what I didn't want to do, it's what I didn't want to do. But, you know, over time, when I got older, he would take me to, you know, the local minor league Arkansas travelers in Arkansas when we lived there. So we got to watch them, the Seattle Mariner development team. Um, and I thought that was so cool. And, you know, going back to that, like, I want to be able to provide fans and people who are watching that same kind of experience. So I think that's what it resonates with. The experience I got was so joyful with my dad going to a baseball game. So when I'm working, I have a passion to give that same experience to fans. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. I mean, it's funny, like baseball was kind of a big part of how I spent time with my dad when I was younger, because like my dad worked all the time, so we didn't get to hang out a ton, but you know, we did hang out like he was my little league baseball coach and we would go to, you know, I grew up in Baltimore. We'd go to Baltimore Orioles games together. And so we didn't get to hang out a ton, but a big part of when we did hang out was through baseball. And that's kind of how I got into, you know, got into it. And, you know, I ended up playing, uh, playing college baseball. Um, and I got to do a little bit of broadcasting in the Baltimore Orioles minor league system last summer. Um, uh, but my initial, you know, introduction to baseball was through my dad. So that's definitely relatable. Uh, what you talked about, as far as I know, we're not brothers, you know, our dads have similar interests. Our, as far as I know, we don't have the same dad. We have, we have separate fathers who both like baseball. And as far as I know, we're not related, but uh, could I be wrong? I don't know, man. I mean, it sounds a bit like it. Uh, one off, I guess not off brand, but like, question to your experience in minor league you get to watch holiday at all when you were doing minor league for the orioles you know what's funny so because he started the season in single a and ended up in triple a yeah he made a fast progression oh yeah he went single a double a triple a and from what i've heard there's a good chance he'll be the big league starting shortstop this season and i've heard that if he doesn't win the starting shortstop job there's a chance that they would move him to second base and he still begin the season in uh, the big league. So it's possible he might play short or second in the big league. Scoring. He's only 20. Like he can't even go to a so, bar yeah. legally, but he might be starting in the big leagues. But no, but so to answer your question is last season, yeah, I started in single A, went to double A, went to triple A. I worked with the Orioles single A team, the Aberdeen Ironbirds. I worked with them right after he got promoted to double A. So I just missed okay. him, unfortunately. Although the the broadcaster who I was in the booth with um, had actually called some of his at bats, you know, a few weeks prior to me working with them. So unfortunately, I just uh, just missed him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a freaking beast. Um, oh and, yeah, know, 
Yeah, and he has a younger brother who will probably be a first-round pick when he finishes high school. His dad is also Matt Holiday, the former big league all-star. I mean, the right. collective amount of baseball ability within that family is, I mean, enormous. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, I just missed Jackson Holiday, which was kind of a bummer, although still cool to get, you know, a professional baseball opportunity nonetheless. Definitely, man. And I like uh I actually had a coworker who was a big O's fan. So he always updated me on the holiday status and whether or not he was getting promoted. And then being an Arkansas guy, uh Heston Kierstad. I'm a big Heston Kierstad guy, and he got promoted, hit a couple homers this year for the Orioles. So I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, they've got some they've got some talent in their minor league system. There's there's no question about it. It's interesting with baseball because like when you draft players, you're just thinking about their long-term potential. It's not like you're not thinking about like your big league roster the following season. The NFL, you know, you make draft picks based on not just their long-term potential, um, but also like what the needs are on your roster that coming season. You know, it's interesting in baseball, they're just thinking big picture when they draft guys. Um, and, um, you know, it's just strictly a developmental thing. Um, you know, it's also interesting, like in baseball with the minor league level, like guys will get drafted high by a certain team, play in their system for a while, get traded while they're still in the minors and then make their big league debut for a different organization. Like, it's interesting how many guys never, you know, play in the big leagues, but not with a team that drafted them. Um, and I mean, I guess building off that, you know, what are some of the biggest misconceptions you know, you've obviously worked in pro baseball but what are some of the biggest misconceptions people might have about how professional baseball works misconceptions oh <clears throat> excuse me my throat is still clogged um i think one misconception is that dr uh, big draft picks can truly bring hype to every city and i say that because detroit had the third pick in the draft we pick one of the best outfielders perspectively in Max Clark. And, you know, Max Clark comes to single A baseball. He plays an FCL before for a little while. And if those who don't know, FCL is the league below single A. It's the true development league. You don't play regulated games. You play simulated games, right? Um, so he played there for a while. And it, it took him a while to, you know, get up to single A. And when he did, he was a decent player and whatnot. But, like, he... It's interesting. He, you would think his name alone with how many people knew about him coming in, it would bring like thousands of people. It would create this big brand for Detroit and this opportunity to really market yourself as an incoming organization because you have such a big player. I mean, we see it all the time in the NFL with number one picks. And even in baseball, we see it as well. Like, you know, the Dodgers getting Shohei Otani is a good example. Like, he's a big name. They signed him to a 10 plus year deal. And then on the other end too, like I remember when Steven Strasburg came in the league with the nationals, nobody cared about the Washington nationals, but they marketed themselves so well because Steven Strasburg was an arm that we had never seen before and had a pitch count that we had never seen before from a guy who could throw a hundred plus miles an hour and just never get tired through seven innings consistently. So I would say the biggest misconception I would, I would like to point out is you know, despite a big name coming to your organization, despite, you know, marketing tries, it it doesn't always lead to great branding for teams. Yeah, I mean, Steven Strasburg, I remember when 
he was first drafted. I mean, he was a, a weapon. I mean, the, the the most exciting prospect, at least during my lifetime, was definitely Bryce Harper. And, and fortunately, oh, yeah. you know, he I mean, yeah, and you know, fortunately, he was not only a big time prospect, but then uh, eventually developed into, you know, a star um, and, and, and basically and lived up to his hype because not just in baseball, but in lots of sports, you know, there are guys who are stars at the amateur level and are, you know, top draft picks who don't, you know, live up to their hype. Uh, Bryce Harper definitely lived up to his hype and maybe even exceeded it. But when Bryce Harper, you may, you may remember his whole situation. Like he went pro early, you know, he went to junior college during what would have been his junior year of high school so that he could get drafted the next year and then got drafted at age 17 and made his day bigly debut at 19. I mean, that, that was what was so unique about him. Um, but you know, who are some of the most exciting prospects that you saw, you know, playing in Lakeland? Oh, most exciting prospects. Well, I, I would say his hitting, <clears throat> geez, his, his hitting wasn't as impressive as I wanted it to be, but I, I did think Max Clark's fielding potential, you know, a lot of people think he's going to be a great left fielder, even though he plays center field predominantly, just the way he moves around. Um, I thought he was very athletic. He's very quick. And, you know, despite having a smaller frame for an outfielder, he has an arm, man. Like I watched him, I watched him snag a homer against the Bradenton Marauders. We were down three to two uh, bases, runners on first and third. And, you know, Bradenton Marauders left fielder comes out, smacks one into center and Max Clark gets six or seven feet off the ground. You don't expect it snags a homer the third base, the guy on third can't believe it. And Max Clark slings it home because that guy is then trying to get home on the sacrifice and Clark gets him out. And it was, I wish we had a broadcast because I think it could have been one of the best plays in the outfield that we could have possibly seen. But, you know, his fielding is definitely excellent. I hope to see him improve at bat. One guy I, I hope to see move up. Um, his name is uh, Kevin McGonigal. He was, I believe, late first or early second, but he came in the same time as Clark did. Uh, and he was really, really good at short batted three twenty five throughout the entire year. When he came in, he had a stretch actually against the uh, Dunedin blue Jays where he hit in six games. He hit three homers and I think nine RBIs. So he looked ridiculous. Um, and also just had great poise at shortstop. There were a lot of, a lot of plays going his way didn't make a lot of mistakes when it came to making double plays or throws to first. So I would say McGonagall is one I, I would definitely watch out for. And that's a name to, you know, keep an eye on. Well, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the high, exciting highlight reel defensive plays. I mean, you know, what was, uh, you know, what was the the atmosphere like in the fan environment, you know, when you're working in Lakeland, what was that like? Admittedly, it was tough sometimes, man, because, Lakeland was in a spot this year. This is something I can really give context to for people. Like they were kind of in a rebuilding, not necessarily with, you know, the team from a roster standpoint, but from a production standpoint, um, the GM Zach Burek really wanted to overhaul everything from the past and start to develop into the new with the way baseball is going, you know, it's becoming 50% game and 50% promotions all delved into one because of the way, like we see the Savannah bananas and the way entertainment is becoming a big factor. So with that, the fan atmosphere was definitely hard to gauge off of and hard to get into because people, some days people were coming and some days there weren't as many fans because really like it depended on the kind of promotional nights we had. 
But I can say when the fans came, they were really engaged. They were definitely into it. And once we had our young prospects, like the people that were there, it, it felt like they were truly invested in it. And it just took a little bit of encouragement with promotions and with our coordinators, like really getting them engaged. Definitely. Yeah. You mentioned the Savannah Bananas. I mean, they were, they're definitely pretty entertaining. My my favorite moment from them was, I don't know if you saw the the video went viral on Instagram of the guy announcing his own at bat and like going up to the plate with a microphone and be, being his own PA announcer and then yelling at everyone to cheer louder. Um, that I think was, I did uh, see that actually. <laughs> that was, you know, what's funny. That video went viral. That was the first time I'd ever heard of them. That was like a few years ago. Like they've obviously gotten really well known since then, but that was my first time seeing, you know, hearing of them. And I think they did initially, like go viral on social media and then more people started going to their games. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, but you know, I guess, and that's the thing also, you know, like with they're, they're independent, but like with affiliated minor league baseball, there's so much that's done, you know, with the in-game entertainment and making it a family atmosphere and, you know, with mascots and, you know, all the different things, you know, and, and player autograph signings on the field and kids running the bases. I mean, what's it like, you know, what was your experience like managing all of that? It was fun, man. I, I didn't expect to have that role. You know, I auditioned when my voice isn't, you know, going away because of a cold, my, you know, I, I auditioned to be the PA guy and the, the person who was in charge of hiring that her, her name is, um, her name is Jessica Dumig, and she is a wonderful boss and has taught me so much. But uh, she she straight up told me, and I like transparency, but she was like, listen, I think you have a great voice, but you're not the voice I'm looking for. But I think you could actually do this. And she pr- approached me with the idea of doing the producer role and doing motion graphics at the same time. It's not common that you do that because they're two big roles, but she felt I could do it. And so with that... I thought managing it, man, it was a once in a lifetime experience of just like truly being a puppeteer in a room and just controlling every element and really letting like your creativity juice flow. Like there were there were things I've never been a person I felt like who was the true attention to detail guy. And then I started doing the producer role and there were just like specific details. I, I found myself looking for like the way a batter's name was announced. When was a song played specifically? What kind of music are we playing during the game? You know, what kind of graphics are we throwing up when we make an outstanding player? When the home run graphic comes up, you know, when do I want to time it the way I want to time it? And, you know, when do I want my promotions coordinators out getting the fans up because we're rallying and when the mascot needs to come out and rally, it's, it's things like that that I started to notice I was really peculiar on, but I liked it because that's that's what you have to have in that job. You you have to have a sense of choice, knowing what you want, and then you have to be able to also coordinate that with people in the control room. And I was able to learn how to do that properly. You know, I'm I'm in my early 20s. I, I've never controlled a room like that before, but it was a great experience. And I was able to learn a lot about myself in terms of how I can lead a room. And then also read a room too, you know, being able to read a room I've learned is one of the most important things. So you read a room of your employees and you also read a room of, of the crowd, you know, how do you engage in them just as much as they're engaged in what you're doing? Well, and you know, that definitely sounds like it was kind of great for your overall professional and development, you know, doing all those things and learning all those different skills. 
Um, and you know, what, what are your long-term goals? You know, do you, do you have a specific job in mind that you want someday or is it more you're open to, you know, whatever opportunity in, in sports comes your way? You know, I, I used to always want to do play-by-play and I still do play-by-play a good amount when I can as a freelancer, but, um, I'm, I'm open to pretty much anything. And that that's really because I pride myself on being like one of those utility men, pun intended for, you know, anyone in the sports industry, because when I was in college, I found it important to learn the ins and outs of an entire control room, you know, all the way from gripping a cord to being on camera, you know, I, I wanted to be able to learn all those things so that I could provide some sort of value, you know, or in this case, if something ever happened to somebody, I'd be able to step in and help. And, with that, it's allowed me to have the drive to, you know, do different jobs. I, I never thought of myself as a producer, but at the same time, when I did it, I absolutely loved it. It's admittedly a lucrative career, depending on, you know, what organization you're working for. So that's always a bonus, you know, when money is involved. But also, too, like, it's just a very fun and unique job to do if you know how to do it and you learn how to do it right. Um, but I'm also still open to other things. I still do PA. I still do play by play. I've done a good amount of camera work too, because camera work is a fun and exhilarating job. You know, you got to get a certain shot and you got to get it now. And it, it, it just gets your, your heart rate going, but it's a lot of fun. Well, and you mentioned, you know, being a, a utility guy. So you're basically saying you're the Brock Holt of, uh, working in sports. And fu- the funny thing about him, he actually played every position except for catcher. And I think it was one of his last years in the league, the Rangers using him as an emergency pitcher. He played seven positions prior to that. But I feel like before he retired, they should have just given him like an inning at catcher or something just to say he played every spot on the field. He did during his emergency pitching appearance. He actually threw the slowest pitch in Major League Baseball history. Um, He has that in his Instagram bio. He says thrower of the slowest, uh, slowest pitch and in MLB history, but you're the, you're basically the Brock Holt of uh, working in sports. It sounds like, but um, you know, before we wrap things up, you know, for anyone listening who maybe wants to keep up with your career um, you know, where can people find you on uh, social media? Yeah, man. So uh, uh, for link, I know LinkedIn has been a big thing. I was never big on it until this past year. Uh, Cause I'm learning now. It's not always about what, you know, it's about who, you know, I've gotten that reality check. So, you know, trying to make connections like we did today. Uh, and it's been awesome already. So on LinkedIn, simple name is Billy Adams. I have a, a headshot of my most recent cross-country photo from my last year at Florida Southern and my grad degree. Uh, and then on Instagram, it's a simple Billy Adams too. Uh, and you'll find me there with the picture you you saw actually when you started. It's the picture of me in the sunglasses. So you guys can find me there. I'm occasionally active sharing my work. And then also I try to, you know, share tips on when I can of like what kind of job I'm doing, what software am I using? What am I saying? You know, that sort of deal. Well, and uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. And yeah. um, And yeah, like you said, I mean, networking is huge. um, And and nowadays it's all online. You know, the, the days of, uh, you know, stopping by companies in person and knocking on the door, to ask for a job or, you know, it's everything is on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and yeah, everything's online. So yeah, like you said, I mean, it sounds like LinkedIn has been very helpful for you, you know, in, in recent memory, you know, with your networking. Um, but, you know, Billy, I really appreciate, uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Everyone definitely 
Give him a follow on social media. Um, but once again, you have been listening to the Leverett Ball Show.